top of the inning to you. Welcome to the Irish Baseball Podcast, brought to you by the Irish American Baseball Society. If you love baseball and if you love Ireland, stay tuned for a discussion of all things Irish baseball. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Irish Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Becker. On today's show, my colleague Jim Ward will go in-depth into an audio clip from Brian McTaggart a beat writer for the Houston Astros on MLB.com and a contributor on the MLB Network. Later in the episode, John Fitzgerald, who's the founder of the Baseball United Foundation and the Irish American Baseball Society, will bring us some Irish baseball history. Getting things started, however, I will be talking to Tim Carr, who's working on a really cool project with the Irish American Baseball Society. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing excellent. So you have been doing a lot of interesting work in the genealogy of Major League Baseball players. So why don't you talk a little bit about that right now? Sure, sure. I I, I joined uh, the IABS and talked to John Fitzgerald early on, and and we just got to talking about what I do, and I'm retired uh, from the auto industry. But I did tell him I was into genealogy, and that sort of piqued his interest. And we talked about the fact that maybe we could uh, do some mutual benefit, beneficial work for his organization on gathering interest on both sides of the ocean as far as people knowing which ball players uh, that have been influential in Major League Baseball history have Irish heritage or were even born in Ireland. And, and I think it was, a, it was a great discussion we had. But for me, um, when I got into it, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was amazing to find some of the new ball players that actually have some Irish American heritage. Uh, maybe they didn't even know it. I don't know, <laughs> but I think it has garnered some interest and I've got about, uh, I don't know. I think I'm up to about 70, 70 ball players uh, that go all the way back to the beginning and, and come up to today's uh, ball players, but it's been very fun. And when Tim says the IABS, of course, he's talking about the Irish American baseball society yeah, They help us put on the Irish Baseball Podcast. One of the coolest things that has happened since you started doing this with the IABS is they posted on social media mm-hmm. what you found out about Wade Boggs, and you actually got <laughs> retweeted by Hall of Famer Wade Boggs about this information. How cool was that? Well, I got to say that's the first retweet of my life. <laughs> And uh, that was pretty cool. Like I said, I'm not sure many of these guys know their history, but I had to go pretty far back to get Wade Boggs, and I, th- I thought it was pretty pretty cool that he retweeted it. That obviously helped with a lot of exposure for the organization, and of mm-hmm. course it's just really cool to find out that something you did, you don't know if he's ever going to find out about it, but he finds out, he thinks it's really cool and appreciates it. That's got to yeah. feel good. No, it, it does, and you know, I didn't, I didn't know what I was getting into when I started this. I just felt like it was a good idea. But to actually get feedback, even from general people, is nice. But from the actual ballplayers is really unexpected. Since you've been doing this, what are some of the surprises that you may have found? On one side, I would have thought Nolan Ryan was Irish from the get-go. And uh, it turned out that you have to go back to the early 1700s uh, to find his Irish uh, heritage. And when you go, when you go that far back, it's it's typically not Irish. Uh, it's probably British. It's you know the the famine is what brought a lot of people from Ireland to America. So typically you see mid 1800s. Uh, you don't see typically before that. So I was surprised by Nolan Ryan, but 
you know, Jacob deGrom and, and some of these ball players today that you wouldn't necessarily look at them as Irish, have the Irish background. But I always kind of equate it with, um, you know, I've been to Ireland lots and, you know, they're very into sports. And it's not surprising to me to see Irish ball players in the history of the game all the way back to when they first came here in the 1800s after the Civil War. And they get involved in sports. They're very competitive people and and they're very athletic. And it's uh, so, so it's not surprising to me that so many players are Irish, but it was surprising to me that some of them you wouldn't even think they would be, and they are. I think one thing that is a recurring topic when we talk about history mm -hmm. in regards to Irish-American baseball players is in the early years of the game, it was sort of a stepping stone for a lot of yeah. different nationalities. Unfortunately, at a certain point, they blocked African-Americans from joining right. Major League Baseball, but immigrant groups and minority groups were able to make their way into quote-unquote respectable society going through things like Major League Baseball and boxing is another one yes. where Irish immigrants came over and they were able to ingratiate themselves into American society. Yeah, I think something that doesn't get talked about a lot is the Irish were here in the 1850s from the potato famine, and then they went right into the Civil War. And baseball started becoming popular during the Civil War. But the British people that were in America were always, you know, their cricket is more formal, more proper, but the Irish didn't have any problem catching on to the game. So the waves of Irish immigration fed the early days of baseball. And then something, another wave of immigration happened, and that was the Germans. And then you started getting people like Honus Wagner and that crew coming to compete with the Irish. And both of those groups, though, ended up in a respectable you know, position in America, going through baseball or going through some type of sport. But it was interesting in the beginning how it kind of became a struggle between Irish and, and German. And you could see that in John McGraw's teams in the 1890s. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles almost were all Irish. And then a lot of the New York Giants teams back then, I think it was, were German. And it was a bit of a competition, but they both came out on the, the good end. So how did you get interested in genealogy? Yeah, like anyone else in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, genealogy became a thing. And I was just doing it like everyone else for my family. Uh, but what happened with me was I, I, I got to a certain point and I said, well, this is really just a bunch of dates and names and people and and I, I started looking into the, the stories behind it. You know, with the, the, the invention of the Internet, you can really dig into what was going on during that time of, in their lives. And, and it prompted me to write a book for my family. The book was uh, basically going back about 500 years and, and going through generations of time and what was going on in their, in their, in their lives at that time. And it was actually quite interesting. It sort of bring genealogy alive for me. And that's sort of my motto on genealogy. You want to bring it to life. You just don't want a bunch of names and dates on a, on a page. And so after I wrote my book, I had it actually looked at by a publisher. And they said, if you change the end, because I made the end very personal for my family, if you change the end, you could probably publish a book. So I, I went ahead and did that. And after that, it was just more or less getting more involved in uh, doing other people's genealogy as a hobby. And as time goes by and the technology got better, you didn't always have to go back in time. 
you could actually come into the current time and spread it out and, and find out that you have third and fourth cousins that may live next door. And I found that to be quite interesting, too. It's not always about going back generations and generations. It's grown. The hobby has grown for me to be something for my family and then something for a charity, a charitable thing that I do. And now it's turned into something I'm doing for Irish American Baseball Society, and it's uh, very rewarding. I would be remiss as a good interviewer to not give you the opportunity to plug that book. So if you could let everybody know how they can get it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure if it's still out there yet. I know it's on Amazon, but it's called uh, The Rocky Road to America. The Rocky Road is a homage to Ireland and the Rocky Road to Dublin. And, and the whole story about coming to America and how how hard it was for all, all ethnic groups. That it's a personal story. Every character in it is uh, from my family tree. And every story that I found was real, but I wrote it as a historical fictional novel so I could build a story around it. And that's where I went with it. That was definitely a creative idea. Did you find out anything that really surprised you when you were looking back into your own family? To be honest, I think what was interesting to me is this may have birthed my whole idea about getting involved in baseball, too, was I found that a, a relative of mine actually attended an early baseball game in Rockford, Illinois, where uh, Albert Spaulding pitched, and he had he wrote a story about it or a letter, and so I included it in the book, and it got me really thinking about 1800s baseball at that time. It that it sort of started my interest in that. That was Tim Carr, who's doing a lot of great genealogical work with the Irish American Baseball Society. Tim will be back in a future episode to talk about his beloved Detroit Tigers and a whole lot more. Go to irishbaseball.org for more information on those genealogical projects. I'm Rick Becker on the Irish Baseball Podcast. Right now, I'm going to turn things over to my colleague Jim Ward, who will go in-depth into an audio clip. Take it away, Jim. Thanks, Rick. Right now, we're going to hear from Houston Astros beat reporter Brian McTaggart. Brian has been covering the Astros beat for the last 18 seasons, and since 2009, he's been a writer for MLB.com as well as a contributor on the Major League Baseball Network. Brian is a graduate of the University of Houston, and in this clip, he's going to talk about his family emigrating from Scotland to Pasadena, Texas, just outside of Houston when he was four years old. We moved over here to the United States when I, in May of 75, when I was uh, four and a half years old, so... Uh, you know, it's kind of right where your memory, you know, it's kind of a, a good uh, line to when you really start remembering things at four and a half and five. But I do have some memories about being in Ireland with my uncles and some of the, the, the dogs. And I can I still remember the house that my dad grew up in and, and being there and, and riding in cars and, uh, um, and just some of those things. So we moved my dad and mom moved over here to uh, Pasadena, Texas when. When they were probably in their mid-30s with three young kids, uh, I think they were simply in search of, uh, you know, something better. And so we actually, uh, uh, my mom's sister, who was much older than she was, lived here in uh, Pasadena, Texas, just outside Houston. And so we lived with them for a few months and then got a house around the corner that my parents rented. And then my dad went and worked in the uh, refineries on the Houston Ship Channel, uh, you know, for the rest of his life. My mom worked on and off here and there. But so that's where I grew up in, uh, you know, Pasadena. Um, I was probably seven, eight miles from the Astrodome, and my dad knew nothing about baseball. He was a huge soccer fan, of course, so he coached, and I played soccer growing up, um, but he was a sports fan, too, and so he, he really threw himself into a, trying to find out about American sports, and 
being so close to the Astrodome, we would hop in the car, you know, in the mid seventies, late seventies and, and go watch the Astros play. And I'm sure he had no, no idea what was going on. And I didn't either, but we both grew to, to love the game and we started watching games on TV. And um, I played it's mostly soccer growing up, did play one year of baseball, which didn't go so well, but uh, uh, grew, to, grew to love watching baseball. And when I started driving, I went to a lot of Astros games and that was sort of uh, the thing I liked to do. Kids wanted to go to the mall or the movies. I wanted to go watch the Astros play, and, and so I really got into baseball and all sports, really, and um, the, as soon as I got out of high school, I got a job actually working the scoreboard at the Astrodome in uh, 88, 89, uh, pushing B for ball, S for strike, that sort of thing, so I was getting paid to go to the ballpark, and I was going anyway, so this was a perfect, perfect job for me in college, and then uh, I met some people at the ballpark in the, the media workroom, and kind of networked and got to know people and started working part-time at a newspaper and started writing, started writing more. Next thing I knew, um, I'm getting a journalism degree and I'm, I'm writing for the Houston Post. So it all, it all kind of happened happenstance, but uh, it was a, a long winding road that, you know, began uh, across the, across the seas over in uh, Ireland and Scotland. That was Houston Astros beat writer and MLB.com's Brian McTaggart talking about his route to being a sports writer and covering the Houston Astros. What was cool about that clip that I enjoyed a lot was his remembrances of Ireland when he was young at four years old. I remember traveling to Ireland when I was young with my parents, and I have fond memories and vivid memories of times in the fields in Arigna and uh, North Common with my grandfather and grandmother. And some of these memories that I have are just so vivid every time I go back and they keep coming back and my relatives when I tell the stories they can't believe that I can remember these things when I and they tell me I was only maybe three or four years old at the time but it's amazing that he could remember all that stuff as well and the fact that his dad and him really knew nothing about baseball but just were fascinated with the Houston Astros and of course back in those days you had the Astrodome and you had those colorful uniforms so how could you not be intrigued with the Houston Astros and ultimately, you know, when you get into this business of sports broadcasting or sports writing, usually it is a strange trip to get you there. And it's not always, uh, you know, cut and dry. There's always a story behind the story. And certainly Brian McTaggart is certainly a really good one. And I really enjoyed listening to that. You can enjoy listening to the entire interview with Brian McTaggart at irishbaseball.org. Now I'll turn things back over to my colleague Rick Becker here on the Irish Baseball Podcast. Thank you, Jim. If you're listening to this show, I know you love baseball and Ireland. The Baseball United Foundation is doing some great work bringing baseball to schools in Northern Ireland. John Fitzgerald, who is the founder of both the Irish American Baseball Society and the Baseball United Foundation, discussed this program in depth in Episode 9. You can find that episode at irishbaseball.org and get more information on the project at baseballunitedfoundation.org. I'm Rick Becker, and we will now turn things over to John Fitzgerald with some Irish baseball history. Hi, I'm John Fitzgerald, the founder of the Irish American Baseball Society. And today I'm going to introduce you to an Irish baseball legend by the name of Mike King Kelly. Michael Joseph Kelly was born in Troy, New York on New Year's Eve, 1857. His parents, Michael and Catherine Kelly, were both born in Roscommon. They had left Ireland during the Potato Famine. 
Kelly began playing semi-pro baseball at the age of 15. He made his Major League debut in 1878 for the Cincinnati Reds, but he made his mark on Major League Baseball in Chicago and Boston. He led the league in hitting in 1884 and again in 1886 when he batted 388 with 155 runs scored and a 483 on base percentage. Most importantly, Kelly won eight championships in 16 years. Kelly was one of the most popular players of the late 19th century thanks to his aggressive style of play. He stole at least 50 bases in five consecutive seasons from 1886 to 1890, and he's credited with inventing the hook slide, which later inspired America's first pop music hit, Slide Kelly Slide. Kelly's biggest impact on the game happened off the diamond. He made autographs popular, and he wrote the first autobiography by a baseball player titled Play Ball, Stories of the Ball Field, which was published in 1888. Michael King Kelly was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1945. For more information about Mike Kelly and other Irish baseball legends, visit irishbaseball.org. For Jim Ward, who discussed an audio clip from Houston Astros beat reporter for MLB.com, Brian McTaggart. For John Fitzgerald, founder of the Irish American Baseball Society and the Baseball United Foundation. And for our guest, Tim Carr who's doing a lot of work in genealogical research for the Irish American Baseball Society. I'm Rick Becker, and this has been Episode 10 of the Irish Baseball Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Irish Baseball Podcast. The Irish Baseball Podcast is a production of the Irish American Baseball Society. Visit us online at irishbaseball.org and connect with us on social media. And remember, there's no place like home.